We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Hey everyone, it's me, Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. I've been doing this a long time and I enjoy doing it and I enjoy the relationship that I have with you on so many levels. Um, You trust me. I, I, I do my best to find information for you that's hopefully helpful. Um, it's not always going to be, and I know that. Um, you know, I, I think, for instance, I try to give you tips and hints so that you can become a better investor. And I got an email yesterday, two days ago, from a longtime listener of the show. And he's basically bet on two stocks. One REIT, because it pays a big fat dividend, and one <clears throat> stock Apple, which... Some years are better than others. I own shares of Apple, and I could say some years are better than others. And yeah, it's been a winner on some levels, but is that a strategy or is that a hope? It's a hope. As the Stanley Cup playoffs begin, you always hope that your team's going to raise the cup at the end of the season. When the NFL starts their preseason, you hope that all the pieces come together and somehow they find an offensive line and pull it all together. When you get diagnosed with cancer, you hope everything goes well and you get an extra 10 to 20, 30 years to grow older. Hope doesn't have any place on Wall Street. And I kind of discouraged my friend because he was like, uh, I've, you know, what do you think about my plan? And he, he happens to be an older guy. Um, and it's just not a good plan. He's still working. He's still doing heavy uh, physical labor. And that's going to stop at some point, right? According to him, it is. So I, I try to teach you things. Like, hope doesn't have a place in your portfolio. I've been there. I've done it. And I remember back in the 90s, early 90s, getting brokerage statements because they wouldn't do uh, emails. They wouldn't do the cloud. You had to get a statement sent to you every month. That was law. And it stank because like there'd be like 18 sheets of paper to learn that you lost all your money in a stock that was a bad idea to begin with. And it was bad results, you know? It's like ugly ducks. They don't grow up to be beautiful goose, geese, swans. No, they grow up to be even uglier ducks. So here's an investment tip for you. Talk to teenagers. Now, Peter Lynch famously did that, or his kids wanted to go to the mall and go to certain stores. So he started investing that way. So he says. I don't know if it was quite as quaint and old-fashioned as it sounds, but... It was. It is what it is, right? His kids love to eat at Chili's and uh, hang out at Chili's. And what were we thinking as a nation? Well, it was fast food, quality, quick service. Uh, quality was a little questionable, right? But it's out there. So when you talk to teenagers right now, American teenagers prefer Apple's iPhone to Android phones. of American teenagers currently own an iPhone, the highest percentage ever in the history of Piper. Uh, Piper Jaffray's study about teens. 
American teenagers continue to deeply prefer Apple's iPhone to phones running Android. It's a teens survey by Papa Jaffray, where they question thousands of kids across 40 states with an average age of 16. So last year when they did the survey, it was 78% preferred the iPhone. Now it's 80%. iPhone ownership amongst teenagers is even higher, 84%. And more and more are saying their next phone will be an iPhone. That's good news if you're Apple. It's not bad news if you're Google. It's not good news, but it's not bad news. Oh, Apple just unveiled some new bread phones, and they've now got enough product, whether it be watches or HomePods or phones or desktops or laptops or iPads or magic little earbuds that you put in your ear. They also sell um, uh, a really nice pork roast. They, they, they have enough product now that they could keep coming up with new versions of it pretty much so whenever they want to. So when they announce red phones, you're like, ooh, I'd like a red phone. You don't even know why you want a red phone, but you do. A portion of the proceeds go to fight HIV and AIDS. It hits stores already. It's not discounted in any way, shape, or form. The old iPhone 8 came out in just limited colors. Gray, silver, gold, and then they do red. Do you remember like a couple years ago when Apple's like, we're going to come out with a gold iPhone? And people are like, is it made of gold? And it's just gold-plated, right? But uh, And their excuse or their thought was, it'll sell well in China because cliche or no cliche, I don't know. That's, that's gold. That's gold. Oh, gold. Uh, so I get it. Make something to market to people you want as customers. So... You know, I think the good news on it is, I don't know, there's no good news. I'm sorry, there's no good news. We're just going, we're going down a rabbit hole. But they actually did improve um, the phones ever so slightly. So they wanted, everyone wanted last year's iPhone 7 model, used a white front face with red, and this time they're using the red face on, it's, it's all red. So Apple tries to hear, what other companies try to hear you, you know? Um, I don't know. There's a lot going on out there. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, software, you know, when it comes down to sectors, when it comes down to investing, you go, I like tech stocks. But tech stocks come in a lot of forms and flavors, right? There's hardware companies. There's software companies. There's purely internet companies, right? There's semiconductor companies. There's semiconductor equipment companies that all could be called tech companies. Is Netflix a tech company? Or is it a media company? Software last year saw a lot of hyper growth. And this is a sector that I like a lot because software uh, has better margins than hardware. When Microsoft made Windows and they had the Rolling Stones start the start me up music and you know they they did a big push on the television marketing news commercials and when microsoft did that the story is pretty simple come up with a software go get a blank cd or dvd put it on that go get another one put it on that go get another one put it on that you don't have to keep coming up with the software you can upgrade it you can update it you can copy it you can replicate it you can duplicate it there's a lot of companies in the world of software I look at about 50 of them. 
Now, how many of them can have massive growth is the question. Morgan Stanley just put together an idea on some stocks that they cover and how they're growing. Hypergrowth sounds kind of sexy, right? Um, there's companies like Workday, Splunk, Zendesk, Atlassian, Proofpoint, all very, very good. But one that is pretty intriguing, MongoDB. Do you know it? MongoDB. Mongo no like beans. Oh, no. Mongo ate beans. ServiceNow, MongoDB. Mongo like candy. Mongo like candy. So ServiceNow, here's the three stocks that Morgan Stanley said to take a look at. ServiceNow, MongoDB, and Yext. There you go. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. Welcome back in. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black. Talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. We talk about investing. Talk about the stock market. Ton of news out there right now. It's earnings season. Facebook, Qualcomm, Visa, Ford, Chipotle. General Motors, UPS, PepsiCo, Bristol-Myers, Union Pacific, ConocoPhillips, American Airlines, all said first quarter earnings topped expectations. That's nice. American Airlines is lowering its 2018 outlook due to higher fuel prices. Same thing with Southwest. They provided a disappointing unit revenue outlook for the second quarter. That was below expectations. Every stock has its own story, and every stock responds to news in its own unique way. There hasn't been a lot of conviction in the stock market this week. It's because of rising interest rates. Remember tug of war? Tug of war. I think it was more popular when you were like seven or eight. And then it just seems to go away for 40 years. But Wall Street is having a tug of war right now with rising interest rates. That stocks are expected to eventually win. We can digest it if we know about it. Higher commodity prices. Oil prices move higher. Airlines say things like, hey, we're not going to make as much money as we thought. Ten-year yield on ten-year treasury. Yesterday hit 3.03%. It's playing that level. It's trying to hold 3%. There's not a lot of unbridled enthusiasm going on because, in my opinion, the 10-year treasury is, is sapping the market strength. Dow Jones Industrial Average Futures this morning never really went anywhere. And yet, like I said... Facebook, Qualcomm, Visa, Ford, Chipotle, General Motors, UPS, PepsiCo, Bristol Myers Squibb, all had some pretty good name. All have some pretty good numbers. Samsung's coming out and warning on weak smartphone demand. Apple is the the victim here. Now, if it can roll back and somehow support, we'll see. Apple doesn't play the victim terribly often, so it's out there, but. Do you have a little bit of iPhone fatigue in any way, shape, or phone, or phone fatigue? Or not at all? Initial claims for the week ending April 21 decreased by 24,000 to 209,000. That's the lowest level of initial claims 
since 1969, December 6, 1969. That's a long time. So the economy is okay if we have jobs and we're not firing people. The economy will find a way to figure out how to get our paychecks. They'll market to us in slick and wonderful ways. So the initial claims, the only thing it could probably do negative at this point in time is, you know, potentially get inflation going. And that'd be a good thing and a bad thing in in the case of wage inflation, right? Wall Street wouldn't like wage inflation. Wall Street likes Goldilocks. Wall Street wants to be just right. Not too much inflation, not too little inflation, just the right amount. The Advanced International Trade and Goods Report say that three times fast. The Advanced International Trade and Goods Report from March I like the way you say showed that. a narrowing in the deficit. The improvement was driven by exports being $3.4 billion more than February and imports being $4.4 billion less than in February. And that brings up trade wars. That, that does for me. Not a bad thing. It is what it is. Amazon is the last of the FANG stocks. To report numbers. Amazon set to announce its first quarter 2018 earnings. So first quarter is also the quarter where we saw Amazon stock go up 22%. So after the market closes, they're going to sit down and give us an update on why their stock went up 22% through the earnings or the revenue or the products or the new ideas. We'll hear more and more updates on the expansion of the Whole Foods acquisition as a fulfillment center. Amazon acquired them in August for $13.7 billion. Is it a level playing field out there and or not? Or is Amazon just continuing to put retailers out of business? You got Alphabet, Google, you got Microsoft, you got Amazon's web services. All these guys are competing with each other. So we'll pay attention. Southwest is dealing with that tragedy of... A client who died on their airline due to a faulty engine. And you go, but isn't that still the safest way to travel? Uh Uh-huh. Way safer than a car. But bookings are down, so says Southwest, since the fatal accident on one of its planes. There's a perception of, I don't want to fly the company whose engine tore apart and went into the fuselage and killed someone. I don't want to go there. Southwest disclosed the weaker bookings as it reported a 22% increase in the first quarter profit to $463 million. But it remains a, it remains a very somber time. So Southwest did say for your pleasure and enjoyment that they're going to fly into four cities in Hawaii, not just Honolulu. So that is probably the worst news in the world for Hawaiian Airlines. And uh, Alaska Air, who goes to Hawaii... Southwest is going to lease coveted takeoff and landing spots at LaGuardia and Washington Reagan National. So Southwest continues to do well. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Twitter, Rob Black Show. Don't forget, there's always a seminar coming up. You can use code Radio25 to get in for free if you've never been to one. Radio25, if you go to Rob Black Show, you'll hear a commercial about the local seminar coming to your local area. Probably during a commercial break. Want the podcast with music? 
Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. Financial questions are some of the most difficult ones to talk about in public. I've seen under your kimono. You've told me what you own. You don't tell your own spouse what you own. You don't tell your own pastor what you own. What you will tell me. It's a good thing to be honest. It's a good thing to be like, know who you are and where you are. Speaking of which, the one who grounds me is CFP Chad Burton. He knows where we're going on the road to retirement. Mr. Burton, how are you? Great. Great, great, so, great. I, I, I find it funny that I'll ground you. With kids, that, that's kinda, a different meaning, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but also ground, ground, grounding is an electrical term, right? So you don't shock yourself. <laughs> right. Ground a wire. Um, which I don't even know what that means now that I'm thinking about it. Um, <laughs> off topic. Off topic we are. We have a big seminar coming up talking about retirement income. It's going to be in Cupertino at the Juniper Hotel. It's coming up on 3rd of May. People can sign up at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. Use code RADIO25 to get in for free. Now, let's talk a little bit about rebalancing. I think that's one of the most difficult things because people want to go with the horse that got them to the race, so to speak. Right. I've made so much money in Apple, I'm not going to sell. But it's time to rebalance. But... I've made so much money in Tesla, I'm not going to sell. And then you kind of get in that situation of disappointing orders or companies losing money. And then you go, I kind of wish I would have diversified. How do you approach diversification? Diversification is what it was called in the late 90s. (laughs) Right. Um, uh, Part of it is, first, are you diversified? And then if so, how do you maintain that? Um, You're talking a little bit about, I think, single stock risk and you know, it's hard to sure. avoid single stock risk when you're working for, a, okay. say, a tech company or buy a tech company in the Bay Area when you're 20, 30, 40 years old because you're you're just starting out, right? You're 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 trying to save, but you're getting stock options, you're getting ESPP, so it's it's hard to avoid that for a while until you really start funneling money into the 401k and and um, you know when you get too much in your single company stock, one of the easiest things to do is sell those RSUs as they invest. It, it's interesting how few people do this um, because RSUs are the most common type of employee benefit now in terms of stock options. And when when you get a, a an amount of RSUs as they vest, they become 100% taxable. 100%. There's no tax benefits for continuing to hold RSUs for a certain period of time. So once you become way too overweight in a company stock that you work for, sell those RSUs as they vest and immediately reinvest them in something else, more diversified. So that's, that's one key thing. And then overall, when it, you're talking about portfolio rebalancing, there's really you know, kind of two or three ways to do it while you're working and while you're younger. We can talk about that first, and then there's one specific way that you need to handle it when you're in retirement, which is a little bit more complicated, but, uh, but both key. So, you, know, you want to talk about the, the younger people rebalancing first? Sure. Let youth come before so, age. Yeah, there you go. Um, so when, say, 20, 30, 40-year-olds you know, sign up for their 401k, they pick the choices, they pick the funds typically that have done the best over the last one to five years, and that's what right. they allocate it. 
And so what you see now is a lot of people that look in their 401k and all they own is S&P 500 type funds, large cap growth funds, okay? And they don't really own anything else. They've owned the asset class that's done the best over the last five years. Um, and it's a, it's a, this has been one of the longest periods of time, Rob, where growth, large cap growth has outperformed large cap value, or small cap, say, has underperformed a bit with large cap. So you, you really have to start adding those other asset classes. Look at something that, wow, that's a great 10-year average return. It hasn't done very well over the last three years. What a great buying opportunity. So when you're trying to rebalance your 401k, there's three ways you can do it. You can either just turn on an automatic rebalancer once you have the correct pie chart. So you've gone through a process. You know you have small cap, large cap, mid cap, international emerging market. And you just have the 401k account. You turn it on so it automatically rebalances either twice a year or once a year. And you don't have to think about it. You just put the money in. If you want to pay a little bit more attention to it, at the end of each year, you, you look at the portfolio and you realize that, oh, wow, my large cap has drastically outperformed my small cap. I'm light on small cap, so maybe over the next several months, you focus on co- contributing 100% to the area that you're light, right? So that's more of the uh, active approach to rebalancing. Um, and th- I guess the, we'll, we'll leave it for those two main ways to do it, but either way, you really need to do that because asset classes outperform typically for you know three, maybe five years in a row, and then they spend a couple of years at the bottom, and then they start to outperform again. So you want to own them all. Um, you don't want to avoid any. Okay. How often do you approach rebalancing psychologically? Well, you know, as a, as a firm, we're monitoring it almost daily. Um, okay. As an individual... I would do it at least every six months. Okay. Um, I tend to say things like, the day after your birthday, review all your insurance documents. Um, Would you do something kind of like maybe the the week before Christmas, rebalance all your portfolios? Is there a a date you would try to tie it to or just put it on an Outlook calendar and do it? I think a good time to do it is when people are doing their taxes. Because gotcha. typically people are logged into their investment accounts to get their 1099s, to look at their portfolios, to see what they've contributed. They're finding their W-2s. You're in that <coughs> focus. You're in the financial focus, right? So just get in and look at everything and set aside some time with your spouse to even review it and talk about what you own. Because usually it's one person that's kind of more involved than the other one. But the other one really needs to take an active approach, at least knowing where everything is. Got it. Um, anything else you want to hit on this segment? Well, so in, in retirement, it, it's a lot different. This is what we talk about at the retirement strategies event. Okay. Because in retirement, you have a certain amount of cash that you have to have. And that cash will allow you to stay invested through rough points in the market where your portfolio, even though the market may be down, is still kicking off great dividends, great amount of interest you don't want to be forced to sell. So you have to have a certain amount of cash. And rebalancing becomes setting targets on each asset class and looking at it on a quarterly basis. And when you, that asset class has exceeded your target, you peel off some of the growth out of the market and replenish the cash that you've spent. Um, so it's a, rebalancing in retirement becomes a mix of rebalancing and a mix of peeling the gains off the table and replenishing the cash that you've spent so you're ready to weather the next storm when it comes. 70% of the time, the market's positive. 30% of the time, you're going to be really, really happy you've got that cash. Sounds good. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him here 
Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, uh, but specifically new content Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Fridays, uh, new focus on wealth from 6 a.m. to 9, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. Uh, here on AM 1220 KDOW. I guess I do the 7 a.m. to 9 a.m., but he's uh, frequently on this show. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. If you go to newfocusfinancial.com and hit the button that says events, you'll see that there's a May 3rd seminar coming up, Retirement Income Strategies and Estate Planning. You can sign up for it by using the code RADIO25. It's RADIO25. It's the Juniper Hotel in Cupertino. Um, Code RADIO25 gets you in for free. More information at newfocusfinancial.com. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. A lot of the concepts that Chad talks about aren't problems until they're problems. Rebalancing your portfolio. It's never a problem until you go into a prolonged slump. Same thing with gambling, right? Hey, I can I can handle blackjack until you lose 10 hands in a row and your momentum's gone and you start changing your bets and, oh, it's 11 hands in a row. So Zillow did something kind of interesting. And... They did a new study, and they basically looked at how affordable housing is and how much people are stretching, and all the tsunamis that are hitting all at the same time, the frustration of real estate right now with the lack of inventory, a lot of houses are going into bidding wars, you have to step up to the plate, you have to do your homework to be a competitive buyer, and that's kind of a weird concept because you want to almost be a defensive buyer, right? And you're like, I'm spending... Four hundred, five hundred, six hundred, seven hundred thousand plus dollars more, and it's a competitive thing. You'd have more options for low down payments, loans, options that were not available, which was recently as a few years ago. Fannie Mae reintroduced a three percent down payment loan that it discontinued during the recession, and some private lenders are venturing back into subprime. They're calling it now non-prime, non-prime. Isn't that called junk? Isn't that called bad credit? <clears throat> bad credit, no problem. We'll get you a loan. But instead of charging you 3 to 4% like we're charging everyone else, we're going to charge you 7 to 10%. Because you're a non-prime loan. The words that we put on things to make them okay sounding is offensive. After holding steady for a couple years, the share of conventional loans backed by Fannie Mae with down payments less than 10% rose. So it's getting more competitive as lending becomes easier. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at KDOW.biz or on the KDOW radio app. We're talking Rome, people. We're talking gladiators. We're talking about the fall of the greatest civilization in the world. Whoa. San Francisco is going to try to stop the electric scooter invasion by placing limits on how many each startup can rent out. Say what? I know. Wait, wait. I'm just getting used to bike lanes being green and noticeable. I'm not quite sure if a bus can be in a bike lane, if a bike can be in a bus lane. I'm not sure on some things like that. So I'm still playing catch up on all this. When did the electric scooter thing blow up like it did? Well, the answer is this year. And people who are listening to Rob Black and Your Money across the nation right now are laughing. What do you mean you have an electric scooter problem? We have an electric scooter problem. 
Some companies like Bird, Limebike, and Spin are scooter startups. I can't make this up. And they've raised hundreds of millions of dollars in venture capital between them. Wait, wait. Scooters. Scooter startups have raised hundreds of millions of dollars. We've run out of things to raise money for, and we don't like asking tough questions. You've got to be kidding me. The vehicles are dockless, and this is where it becomes a problem. Dockless? As in no docks? That's right. So when you're done with a scooter, you just leave it wherever the freaking fracking you want to leave it. Right. People don't know where to leave them. Do you leave them in a tree? Do you leave them in the street? Do you leave them on the sidewalk? Do you leave them with a homeless person? Behave yourself. I'm not making this up. I can't. So San Francisco, in order to kind of like say, we got to get our sidewalks back, has said, you know, the pay-as-you-go scooter services, bird, line, bike, and spin, we're only going to allow you to have so many on the road or on the sidewalks. There's going to be a permitting system and a pilot program. San Francisco wants the, the bike startup companies, not even bikes, mind you, the scooters. We don't know how to monitor them. Since three scooter companies currently operate in San Francisco, 1,500 would be allowed at any given time under the proposed limits. Bird, one of the companies that I was mentioning, who is a scooter startup, has more than 1,600 scooters. So right there, they would be pairing them back business. It's funny because the company has added 32,000 riders since Bird launched in San Francisco in March. So you get 32,000 riders, 1,600 scooters, and you're like, whoa, this is pretty profitable. And again, San Francisco and the Bay Area can solve problems that we didn't know were problems. Can't possibly get out of the house. Don't worry about it. We'll bring groceries to you. We'll bring food to you. Grubhub, we'll bring it all to you. But the fact that you can leave scooters wherever the f- you want, it's a problem. And how does San Francisco deal with this? San Francisco city attorneys... Slapped each of the companies with cease and desist letters last week. Residents who live in the Bay Area or who live in San Francisco have been vandalizing scooters in enough effort to deface them or to keep them off the road entirely. I don't like the idea of just leave it wherever you want. That seems both dangerous and wrong. Do I get the need for a scooter startup? I don't. So I needed a scooter once in my life. I went and bought it. But then I guess you have to store it, and people don't like storing stuff anymore, right? That's the story that we're sticking to. Facebook crushed numbers. Congratulations to Facebook. I bring that up. I bring that up because of all you losers. All you losers said, we're going to drop Facebook. We're not going to use Facebook. Facebook is evil. Delete Facebook. Jim Carrey. The mask. Not so much. The social media company. Who let your data slip, your private data slip into the hands of terrorists and bandits and pirates. Said that, you know, people who are logging into Facebook at least once a month hit 2.2 billion as of March, up 13% year over year. That's growth of 70 million monthly active users, up 13%. Pretty impressive. Now... The quarter is obviously 90 days, and the scandal hit in the last 30 of the 90 days. So it's a little bit impossible to say if people have cut back or not, truly. Um, 
some people would expect the amount of engagement to go down, obviously would sync with the amount of data that was lost on some level. But first quarter revenue at Facebook jumped almost $12 billion, $11.97 billion. Whoa. Income rose to $4.99 billion, despite facing important challenges. You know, we have a basic responsibility uh, to protect people's data. And if we can't do that, then we don't deserve to have the opportunity to serve people. That's right, Jack. Facebook began running a one-minute spot promising to do better jobs of protecting user privacies and conquering all privacy issues. That's right, Jack. The ad's going to run on TV and in movie theaters through July. They've done a mea culpa. Is it enough? You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Don't forget, when I have a seminar coming up, you can use the code RADIO25 to get in for free. RADIO25 to get in for free. Take a break here. Find me at robblackshow.com.